Hello, everyone. You're listening to Crunch Squad. It's a podcast within a podcast where we talk about the rules, the mechanics, and the number crunching behind this wonderful game of Dungeons and Dragons. I'm Ned Wilcock, your host for Crunch Squad, and today I'm joined by Jacob. Ah, yes. Finally, we're getting around to Lance Thalen's subclass. We've already talked about the fact that he's a rogue and that he's an elf and all that stuff, but we've been holding off on discussing his subclass because secret secrets, and we wanted to maintain those for a little bit. Yeah, secret, secret secrets are so fun. Secret secrets. Everyone. Everyone loves Everyone loves. So now that we've started to see some of the reasoning behind these secret secrets, uh, we can actually start to talk about the subclass itself. Yes. So your subclass, your roguish archetype, as it were, is the Phantom. Yes, the Phantom Feet. And this actually ties really well to uh, Lance Thalen's background. Er, yeah, to his background. He is actually, uh, some obviously probably have guessed this by now. We've never officially said what it is. But Lance's background is a haunted one. And someone who is obviously haunted by their past, haunted by things of their past. And that, as we have hopefully been able to figure out by now, is definitely Lance Thalen. So in exploring that backstory, I really was like, okay, what is a subclass that can go with this really well? And I actually have you to thank, Ned, because you actually kind of tagged me on to kind of guided me to this subclass itself, the Phantom subclass. And as soon as I was Mm. reading through it, I was like, yes, done. This is going to be Lance Thalen's thing. Yeah, the this particular subclass, there's been a lot of good subclasses coming out of Wizards of the Coast lately. Uh, this one's in Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, which has a plethora of wonderful subclasses. But this one, to me, like as soon as I read it, out of all of the other ones, it was the most interesting to me thematically and mechanically both. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to talk about those a little bit separately. But before we get into the crunch of it, just thematically speaking, what was it that really drew you to this subclass? Well, again, Lance Thalen, he's haunted by his past. He has his sister's uh, ghost and other kind of beings that have passed on, as we've seen, kind of echoing to him. He has these things haunting over him, almost like a phantom. Mm-hmm. And that's the name of the class. And just in reading about it, it says many rogues walk a fine... This is the description of the class itself. They walk a fine line between life and death, risking their own lives. While adventuring on that line, some rogues discover a mystical connection to death itself. And obviously with Lance's connection with those who have died, this just is an immediate connection to him as a character. And obviously, like you just mentioned, that we're going to dive into more. The abilities are really cool, too. And I've been really happy with the way that Thomas has been portraying this aspect of your character. Yes, for sure. That, you know, everybody that you kill is just suddenly stuck there in your head, apparently, and mm-hmm. it's coming back to haunt you. And it's kind of fun to see as well in one of my campaigns that I'm currently running. I have a player who's playing the Phantom Rogue. Oh. And there's just a lot of different potential for how you can bring these Phantom Spirits into the story. And I'm very excited to see how that continues to happen. Mm-hmm. But moving into the mechanics themselves, you get two amazing abilities right at third level. The first is the Whispers of the Dead, and this is much more of a utility-based ability. The idea behind this is those who have died have certain knowledge and certain expertise that they can impart to you. So 
Whenever you finish a short or long rest, you can choose one skill or tool proficiency that you lack and gain proficiency as that ghostly presence shares its knowledge with you, and you have that until you choose a different proficiency to replace it with. Yes, and we've seen this actually pop up quite a bit in the a very clear example is in the the sunken valley place that we were in for a long time. The Yeah, that, that part that is kind of lower than the rest of the parts of the earth around it. Yes, the naturally volcanic pit structure caldera. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the caldera. When we were in the caldera, that whole time I had been actually, and I think I mentioned it briefly like once during this time, uh, I had been bouncing back and forth with that specific feature of the phantom in making my proficiency, uh, this basically extra proficiency I get, I was bouncing it back and forth between persuasion or deception to like, okay, are we persuading the orcs to join us? Okay, we need to do that. Are we deceiving, you know, Mondath or other cultist members in the camp? I was desperately bouncing back and forth because Lance Thalen is not a persuasive person at all. Mm -hmm. Even though he might present good arguments, the way he presents them can definitely bottom out because he has a negative one in all charisma checks. And so having <laughs> that having that proficiency, I mean, it doesn't give me much, especially from where we're at. We were still at, I think, plus three proficiency. So if I have a negative one, I have a plus two then, which isn't great, but it's a whole lot better than rolling anything with a negative one. And yeah. it definitely saved our butt a couple times during that arc of the campaign. So we've already seen that play out and it's happened a couple more times. And I haven't found it too necessary, but I think Again, just another feature that you talked about, that it's skills or tools. That, like, randomly Lance Thalen could be like, I'm proficient in making alcohol. you know, <laughs> Or, like, I'm proficient in stone cutting today. Yeah. And I could do that if I wanted to. I think that would be... That is something that I want to try and bring a little bit more into it. Maybe during another episode period of downtime or something. Because that would be fun to explore, too. How he can become proficient in tools for a time. Yeah, and I think that would be a fun narrative thing to bring in because you've already been treating this feature with a lot of narrative substance as well. It's not just I wake up in the morning and suddenly I'm more persuasive because I remember there was that moment where we were finished with the Caldera arc and you swapped out your proficiency and you kind of had this breakdown of like, what on earth was I doing? Why was I, <laughs> yes, <that's right. laughs> why was I getting right. <laughs> like into all of these social situations? And I, I love that aspect of it as well, that you know, for me, it's so easy to get caught up in the mechanics of the subclass that I've chosen that it can be hard to remember the thematics of that as well. Mm -hmm. And I think you've tied that in really well. Oh, yeah. Well, and that's why I drive. I love building stories. I, I'm all about the technical side of things because it gives you stuff. But I love trying to find the cool ways that your classes or subclasses, technical things, can be woven into the story, into the narrative. I mean... One thing I will say that when you were like, hey, you should check out the Phantom class when we were putting this whole campaign together. And the first thing I saw was you can gain proficiencies and skills. I was like, done. I don't think I even <laughs> read the rest of it. Uh, I mean, I did read the rest of it, but before I did, I was already in my mind being like, done. I'm good. This is mine because <laughs> that's that's my favorite part of Dungeons and Dragons with, with uh, besides the narrative part is skill checks. I love skill checks. I try and do so many, like right now, just as Lance Thalen and building this background, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, plus this extra one, eight proficiencies in skills. And so I just go crazy for, for that. So I was, I was, I was hooked right away. Yeah. Especially with the ability to get expertise in some of your skills, the rogue 
the rogue already makes a really good kind of skill monkey sort of class, and you add this to it, and it's just another whole level of versatility on top of that. Yeah. But in addition, at level three, to this awesome utility feature, we've got a really nice combat feature as well. The Whales from the Grave. Yes. And the mechanics behind this... Immediately after you deal your sneak attack damage to a creature on your turn, you can target a second creature that you can see within 30 feet of the first creature. You roll half the number of sneak attack dice for your level, rounded up, and the second creature takes necrotic damage equal to that roll's total as the whales of the dead sound around them for a moment. And you can use that a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus between every long rest. And that's, it's, I've, I've done this a couple times. Not too often because, um for a variety of reasons, just with how the battle plays out. It was something that I chose not to do, or more than likely, it was that we had people not within 30 feet of the person I originally struck. Mm -hmm. And so, because that, that's a key thing. It's not 30 feet within myself. I, it has to be with 30 feet within the next creature. But we have issued it, and I think it's been really cool uh, this this feature is just really cool. It gives you another way to sneak attack. You don't get as much damage to it, but you still get to kind of cut down the herd as it will. Because that's, that's the thing about a rogue, is a rogue can be very powerful with sneak attack, but it's very much geared toward one person. It's mm -hmm. not a, you know, like as a druid or with uh, Mickey with her warlock, you can have spells that can do kind of a mass area damage. Rogues don't get that. Rogues don't really get to do the mass area damage too much, but this allows me to kind of, besides focusing on one specific target, I can also kind of help the group in attacking enemies that are in a group as well. And again, I think it was really cool. I think the first time we had done it, it was either through me or then Thomas kind of backing me up, or it started with Thomas, then I kind of added to it, where we have added a rogue element to it where it is a a dagger knife throw but it is kind of a shadow dagger mm -hmm. that Lance can pull out that has like these elements of the screams of the dead hitting a target and kind of overwhelming them so that's been cool additional flair that we've inserted into it yeah and now that we're combining that with the bracer of flying daggers as well that you got from the illusory illusion that's a very powerful combination there yes I can officially dagger 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 Oh, yeah, baby, that's what's up. Because <laughs> I can throw two daggers with that bracer, and I can, if I hit a good sneak attack, can throw this third one. Indeed. Let's see, there's a couple particular things mechanically that I want to just touch on with this feature especially. The first one is that when you roll half of your sneak attack dice, you round up. Uh, this mm -hmm. is a specific exception because most of the time you always round down in D&D. Yes. And this is one of those very rare exceptions that you get to round up. And I love that they added that to this feature. Yes, it's very nice. It definitely draws you more into this class that you're getting these things that you don't find anywhere else. Like you get to round up in something where you usually have to round down. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that I like about this is it shows sort of a new design direction that they're taking over at Wizards of the Coast in terms of adding proficiency bonus to class features. Because you see a lot in just like the core rulebook. An example is uh, the Druid's Wild Shape. You can use that twice per long rest, and that's just kind of it for the rest of your mm -hmm. time as a Druid. Then like with Channel Divinity, it's like you can use it once at first level, and you can use it twice at sixth level, and you can use it three times at 18th level. And it just kind of feels like these arbitrary numbers where they just had to throw it somewhere, so they did. And 
Having it tied to your proficiency bonus, though, that's something that you know is going to scale evenly consistent throughout the campaign. So it just makes so much sense to have something based off of your proficiency bonus instead of just throwing random numbers at it. Yeah, where you're like, you get to that class where you get to up it a little bit more, but then you're like, okay, now I have to wait till 18th level. Proficiency mm-hmm. accelerates a little bit more. You get a little bit more pacing with it. So you always something a little bit more to look forward to. When you, mm-hmm. when you level up. And that's something as well that we see with the ninth level feature, Tokens of the Departed. Uh, this one has kind of the most versatility to it out of all of the different abilities. So maybe we'll kind of take it in chunks here. So first of all, the idea is when you see somebody die within 30 feet of you, you can use your reaction to open up your free hand and you cause a tiny trinket to appear there, a soul trinket and the dungeon master gets to decide what that form looks like. And this thematically is very cool. Yes, it is. I am so, this is a ninth level thing. So we're not quite there yet. I am so excited to get to this. It Mm -hmm. feels like it's just gonna add so much, you're right, complexity to the narrative and just what Lance can do and how that's gonna make him react to do this. I I will say that this, uh, if I see somebody die and I can take the soul of that person in a trinket form, I was so, so wanting to do this when we fought the Beholder Mm. because Thomas had bumped us up to level 10. And I was like, if we see the beholder die, I can literally take his soul in a trinket. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And then you made the beholder a sloth, which I'm like, oh, I don't get to do my thing, but that's so cool anyway. I don't care. And so I, I had I had a chance to do it, but I'm glad I'm glad one because it would have kind of happened, but then we would have gone back, and so it would have been like, oh well, how's that gonna happen again? I'm I'm much happier that this is something to look forward to because it's gonna be fun for the narrative for sure. Yeah, and this is a ninth level feature, and you can have a maximum number of soul trinkets at a time equal to your proficiency bonus. And what's great about this being a ninth level feature is that is when your proficiency bonus increases to four. Yes. So right off the bat, you can have four little trapped souls <laughs> that you're just carrying around <laughs> with you at all times. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Definitely going to be interesting. Well, and I mean, we're, we're about to get to this, but you it's not like you just get these soul trinkets and you're like, okay, you have this weird collection. Good for you, emo boy. But they actually <laughs> do stuff. They actually do do things, which are really fun mechanically. Yes. Yeah, So the first one is a passive ability that as long as you have at least one soul trinket on your person, you have advantage on death saving throws and constitution saving throws. And death saves, that's obviously very thematic with, you know, you are a phantom. You are kind of connected with death. I'm connected with death, but yet with this, I can somehow have an advantage over death. Yeah. And then constitution saving throws, you're often going to roll a constitution save in response to a lot of necrotic spells. So something like, I'm pretty sure finger of death is a constitution save, makes it easier to avoid those death-themed attacks that are going to be coming at you. Yeah, and who knows, if I ever cross classes and I start gaining spells, that can help out too. Constitution saves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you end up casting spells. Yeah, like Scorching Ray, for instance. That's just off the top of my mind, but yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I keep forgetting you can cast spells now. Yeah, I, I'm not... That That's coming down the line, everybody. I'm not sure oh. if we'll get to that point yet. Spoiler, spoilers. <laughs> what? We'll find out. <laughs> yeah, just just wait a little bit. Uh, 
completely pivoting from that, the next thing that you can do with your soul trinkets is whenever you deal your sneak attack damage on your turn, you can destroy one of the soul trinkets that's on your person and immediately use your Whales of the Grave without expending one of your uses from the Whales of the Grave feature. Yes, so potentially I could literally do Whales of the Grave uh, by the time, like, by the time I get this, my proficiency is at four, so that means Whales of the Grave happens four times. Mm-hmm. But then if I have four trinkets, because they also match my proficiency, I technically can do Whales of the Grave eight times. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah, really building up that soul economy. Yep. <laughs> I, I I was apprehensive with that. I'm like, really? I, I crushed the soul trinket? Am I, like, destroying the soul? But it says, it doesn't say I destroy their soul. It just says I destroy the soul trinket. So I guess it's it's a nice thing I'm doing. Release. <laughs> Yeah, and the third and final ability kind of alludes to this idea that you are kind of freeing them from the soul trinket rather than destroying them. And this one is very just kind of thematic and more of the interaction pillar of D&D that you get with this. And so as an action, you can destroy one of your trinkets no matter where it's located. And when you do so, you can ask the spirit associated with that trinket one question. So the spirit appears to you and answers in a language that it knew during its life. Uh, it's not obligated to be truthful to you and answers as concisely as it possible because it's eager to be free from this prison that you've had it in, essentially. And uh, the other stipulation here is that the spirit only knows what it knew in life as determined by the DM. So this is your opportunity to gather some information from the dead. Yeah. Yeah, this is a little bit of a, a mini speaks with the dead spell, if mm-hmm. you will. Where speaks with the dead, you usually get five questions you can answer. And it's the same parameters. They don't have to be truthful to you. Um, they speak in the language they understand. So I only get one of these for one of the people in my soul trinket. But it's a cool little thing, especially if you're in a if you're in a pickle. Like if we're in a dungeon and we're trying to escape and we end up killing someone, we could maybe ask that person a question, mm-hmm. depending if they want to answer or not. We'll find out. But it is a cool little thing to have in your back pocket. Yeah, especially like it's really easy to kill a minion of the big bad. And so if you can grab that minion's soul, trap it in the trinket, and then have the opportunity to ask a question from it now that it's not being hostile towards you, that could get Mm -hmm. some good information. Well, and an additional good thing is this is just something that you can use to to further this along. It says, again, this is really nice. As an action, you destroy one of the soul trinkets. Well, actually, rewinding. It says, when you see someone's life end in your presence, you can trap them in a trinket. That doesn't mean I had to kill them. So mm-hmm. it could be that Fleeple's dealing damage or Mal does something. And maybe because Lance is sneaking around, they never see Lance. And Lance traps them and then later asks them a question. They don't know Lance is part of that thing that killed them. So they could be a little bit more truthful with Lance, maybe in that circumstance. That's so true. That's, that's something. That's something else that you could kind of add to the flavor of it all to 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 use it in a greater capacity. I can almost see this even taking that in kind of a good constable, bad constable sort of direction, yep. where it's like, hey, that little kobold over there, he's the one who immolated your body when you died. I'm the one who saved your soul from the nine yeah. hells or whatever. Yeah. You're welcome. Mm -hmm. And these trinkets, uh, they have additional abilities later on throughout your different features. Moving up to your 13th level feature, which is Ghost Walk. And holy cow, you basically just turn into a ghost for a while. Yep. If Lance if Lance wasn't clammy before, you sure are gonna be <laughs> clammy now. Ah yes. <laughs> so there are a few stipulations to this ghost form. So you activate it as a bonus action, and while you're in your spectral form, you have a flying speed of ten feet, you can hover, 
and attack rolls have disadvantage against you. You can move through creatures and objects as if they were difficult terrain, but you take 1d10 force damage if you end your turn inside of a creature or object, and it lasts for 10 minutes or until you end it with a bonus action. And you can do that once per long rest, or you can destroy one of your trinkets as part of your bonus action to activate the ghost walk again. So, yeah, this is going to be... This is going to be interesting. I mean, <laughs> it's a thief's dream to walk through walls. It's a yeah. rogue's dream to do that. And now through the Phantom class, you get to do that, which is really cool. It's a 13th level thing, so not coming for a while, but when it does, oh boy, it's mm-hmm. going to be, I think Thomas is going to rue the day this happens because a lot of traps and things set up will be like, I walk through it. <laughs> yeah. Spectrally. Can you Dang imagine it. if we got to the dragon door and you just walk through the <laughs> dragon door? <laughs> Yep, yep, yep. (laughs) Yeah, that's one thing that I really love about a class like the Druid or the Bard is just the opportunity for shenanigans that really just pull one over on the DM that they weren't expecting. And this brings that to the rogue in a very powerful way because you're already sneaky, you're already great at investigating, you're already good at getting into places you're not supposed to. Now you can get into just any place that you're not supposed to. And you can't really be caught. I don't know if they can... Well, I don't know the mechanics of that. Maybe you know, Ned. This is a Crunch Squad episode. Can someone catch a spectral form? That's can an you, like, interesting Can you, like, grapple? Thing. Yeah, this is an interesting one. Let me, let me take a look through this again. So while you're in this form, flying speed of 10, you hover, attack rolls have a disadvantage against you, you can move through things. It doesn't necessarily say that you are incorporeal. Yes, that's true. Attack rolls against you have disadvantage, which usually is something that you would see as a result of, like, invisibility, for example. Hmm. You phase partially into the realm of the dead, becoming like a ghost. I'm thinking that... Coming like a ghost, but not a ghost. Yeah, I'm thinking that this is probably going to be largely up to Thomas when we get to this point. If I were to rule this as a DM, I would say that you're like kind of half a ghost that, you know, you can still kind of roughly be interacted with. But if somebody were to like try and grapple you, for example, a grapple technically counts as an attack roll and all attack rolls against you have disadvantage. So it can be done. It just gives you a one up for it. Mm-hmm. Makes you really slippery. Slippery, clammy, slippery load. <laughs> uh, just the mental image we all wanted. And then we get to your capstone subclass ability at level 17, Death's Friend. Not an imposing name at all. <laughs> yeah. And Death's Friend. Yes, your association with death has become so close that you gain the following benefits, you know. We're just we're just chums. We're just chums now. Yes, and you and death, you, you play bridge on the weekends. <laughs> and so here are the abilities that you gain with this. First, when you use your whales from the grave, you can deal necrotic damage not only to the second creature, but also to the initial creature that you attacked in the first place. I sneak attack them, they get hurt severely, I can half sneak attack another, but then that damage to another comes back to the first. It's crazy. Yeah, so basically two full sneak attacks just divided 2575. And then the other feature that you get with this is, at the end of a long rest, if you don't have a soul trinket already, poof, one appears in your hand. Why does it? This is the creepiest part. The spirits of the dead are drawn to you. (laughs) That's so creepy. (laughs) Yes, the spirits of the dead are drawn to you. If Lance Thalen wasn't panicking before about talking to the dead, oh boy. Well, by level 17, he'll probably be used to it, but he's he's just going to have to run like a spirits of the dead bed and breakfast by that (laughs) point. 
It's just happening. You know, seeing as it is the spirits of the dead are drawn to you, I can almost imagine like, you know, you're you're hanging out with Merkel, the Lord of Bones, on the weekend. And then later on in the week, some dead spirit's like, man, I really miss just having a chill person to hang out with. And death is all like, hey, I've got this bro, Lance Thalen. If you want to chill. <laughs> Go check out his bed and breakfast. <laughs> yeah. No, this is, yeah, it's, that's just going to be epic. Just the things it gives you. You get even more damage. You get even more soul trinkets after every long rest. It's, it's just a fun class overall mm-hmm. it i am the subclass specifically and and like we said before i was i was drawn to this because it fits so well in the narrative of lance thalen and how close he is to those who have died and i mean more will be revealed lance thalen definitely still has a lot more secrets up his sleeve that mm-hmm. will kind of lend into both his story but also the subclass too of why death is so gravitated toward him it's going to be fun yeah And, you know, by the time you become Death's friend at level 17, that's when your proficiency bonus bumps up to a six. So that's six whales from the grave, six trinkets. It's going to be, it's going to be epic. The only thing I regret is I'm Death's friend now. So whenever Death wants to move, he's going to want to borrow my truck. And it's going to be like, okay, Death's friend, uh, why is this really, is he going to provide donuts? Well, maybe no, but yes, but they're going to be like, giving me diabetes to kill me, to put me into, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just not a good combination. <laughs> yeah. You know, when you get too close to death, eventually death's going to be like, hey, why don't you just hang around full time? Why don't you just cross over to the other side completely? Let's, let's skip the half and half. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see if we end up reaching that point in this campaign. But yeah, just a lot of awesome potential with this subclass. Right on. Well, that covers all of the crunch itself. Any other comments about the Phantom Rogue before we wrap this up? I think we've said this on all different things. We all have such unique subclasses we're bringing to the table um, from different sources. Not that the original subclasses in just the player's handbook aren't great. They are really fun. But I, I just I just love how we are grabbing at these creative sources and then also just, you know, incorporate the incorporating them into our narrative, making them our own, even within, you know, like we just mentioned, even within this uh, subclass that I have, my whales of the grave is not just, you know, the whales of the grave, but it is in a knife form. You can make it narratively your own. And I just Mm -hmm. like to, for those who are listening, I, I just encourage you explore all options. There are so many cool things in D&D to look into, whether it be your class, your subclass, your background. There's just so many cool things to look into. There's so many resources out there. It can get overwhelming. So if you just want to start light and fluffy, Player's Handbook is awesome. A plus. It's amazing. But if you want to start getting a little brave and exploring out there through your DM, always go through your DM because, you know, you don't want to bring something too crazy to the table and your DM I'm like, I don't know about this, but just explore it. It D&D Dungeons and Dragons just has such a world out there that can just lend so much into everything you love, into mechanics, into narrative, into just gameplay and interaction. Highly endorse it. Highly endorse it. Mm-hmm. And one last little sort of Easter egg that I will encourage our listeners to check out uh, in Tasha's Cauldron of Everything that this subclass is from. There's this little section in the spells portion where it talks about personalizing spells. And this idea of that regardless of what kind of spellcaster you're playing, you can customize the cosmetic effects of your character's spells. So, you know, maybe your whales from the grave looks like a dagger. But there's an illustration and... The caption for the illustration is a farmer sorcerer hurls magic missiles that look like chickens. <laughs> <laughs> that 
that's it's, so good. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> it's a very fun illustration because you've got this decrepit gnome standing on top of a hay bale, and there's this knoll down beneath him who's just freaking out as these three green chickens are flying towards him. Oh, that's so... Oh, I'm so excited now. I have another campaign going on right now uh, that people might hear about soon uh, <laughs> with a couple people in this, but where I have a person who can cast magic missile and I haven't cast it yet. And so now I'm like, Ooh, what could my missiles be? <laughs> Cause yeah. now I just have a world open to me with that. Yeah. And I have some insider knowledge as to who this character is. And I am just very excited to see what you come up with for this guy. It's, it's, it's going to be fun. It's going to be pretty fun. This other thing coming down the line is going to be fun for people. Indeed. Well, everybody, thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Crunch Squad. We hope that you've enjoyed listening as much as we have enjoyed geeking out about these rules, as always. And so from wherever we get your podcast, please leave us a review. It boosts our ratings throughout each podcast service. It puts our show in other people's recommended feeds, and it lets us know that you like what we're doing. If you want to write something a little longer than a review, you could also email us at iCastFireball2020 at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you, and we're hoping to get the word out there and set this podcast on fire. Fire! Now, to get the most recent up-to-date content from all of us here, please follow us on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook with the handle iCastFireball20. We also have a Facebook group that you can join and you can talk with other fans of iCastFireball. We're on there occasionally, maybe commenting on memes and stuff. There are two actual Facebook things. There's the official page and then there's a fan page where fans can just talk to each other. Both very fun. Check out both of those. And on all of our social media presences, you can get possible sneak peeks of upcoming episodes, some interesting insight from the players in DM and some behind the scenes shots of us making this incredibly fun world. Also want to give a quick shout out to our sister podcast Improv Tabletop, which is my own personal brainchild. I'm the GM of that podcast and we have two fun shows that you can check out. We've got a long backlog of one month adventures using the Fate Accelerated Tabletop system and we also have an ongoing Avatar Legends campaign that has been going on for a few months now. So whether you like tabletop games or improvisation or just hearing more from me then we recommend you go give that a listen because you know thomas is on a couple episodes as well and heather and caleb are also in those it's a it's a good old time all around lastly please like subscribe and share with your friends and fellow wacky adventurers but until next time i am ned your host for crunch squad and i've been joined by jacob keep the fire going everybody and we'll see you next time Booyah. Woo. I guess I should have said Jacob, a.k.a. Lance Thalen, but whatever. <laughs>